This episode of Dopey is brought to you by Allo Recovery. Uh, are you a drug addict who needs treatment, or do you have family or friends that might need treatment? Well, I have a place for you to go. It's called Allo, Allo Recovery. It's located in sunny Southern California. It was created by a good friend of the show, Bob Forrest, and his friends, Evan, Bob, and Jared. They were in recovery. They wanted to create a rehab that treated addicts with compassion rather than control, so they created Aloe. Aloe is a place to go if you're all fucked up and you need a relaxing, comfortable detox. If you're kicking heroin or benzos or alcohol, you know how bad those detoxes are, and Aloe has it set up for the most comfortable detox possible. They also have amazing amenities, including sound bath meditation, surfing, fucking sweat lodges, and equine therapy. They also have an incredibly skilled staff uh, with years and years of experience. If you're fucked and you're in Southern California, I strongly recommend Aloe Recovery. This episode is also brought to you by our friends at Clean and Sober Love, also known as CASL. Are you in recovery? Are you looking for the perfect match? If so, check out CASL, the dating app for people who choose sobriety as a way of life. It was created by one addict helping another addict to fucking date safely. So here's the reality. You got clean, you got sober, you got a new life. Don't you deserve a mate? Don't you deserve to date? Well, now you can with CASL. CASL is a dating app designed for dating and recovery because dating is worth doing if your own shit is together. This episode is also brought to you by listeners like you in the Dopey Nation through the power and passion of the Dopey Patreon account. It's www.patreon.com slash dopeypodcast. If you want to help uh, make the show a little bit easier, throw a couple bucks, throw five, throw a hundred, throw 50, throw one. I don't care. Throw whatever you want. If you guys want the latest in Dopey Fashions, go to www.dopeypodcast.com. There is a new white long-sleeve Dopey shirt with exclusive Lee Trice artwork on the back. And somebody wanted some new women's stuff, so I made uh, very colorful women's tank tops. Look for new hoodies as well, all at www.dopeypodcast.com. If you guys want beanies, I have a shitload of beanies. Venmo me at Dopey Podcast. If you want stickers, same thing. Baseball caps, or as we like to say in the hood, snapbacks. Do it as well. That's uh, Venmo to Dopey Podcast. Anyway, enough with the gluttony of ads. Here is the show. Welcome to Dopey, the podcast about drugs, addiction, and dumb shit, and I'm Dave. And here we are in Manhattan, in my dad's apartment, and who was to come by but my old friend, Aurora. Hi, Dave. Welcome back to the show. Thanks. Good to be back, Dopey Nation. (laughs) Well, here we are, and uh, Aurora is in town doing work, and Aurora last week celebrated- This week. This week. Time's just flying by. Aurora this week celebrated four years clean and sober. So congratulations, Aurora. Thank you. Thank you. How does it feel? It feels good. It feels like I I want five years. I want 10 years. Let me ask you a weird slash stupid question. Okay. You know how once in a while people will post on Facebook how they're like, 
so grateful to be clean and sober and blah, 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 whatever. Four years, right. Like, so, so, like, at what point... Okay, I'm not going to ask you to say at what point you think it's appropriate for someone else to do that. At what point do you think you would be comfortable doing that? Mm, I don't know, honestly. I, thought, I think about it a lot. I think, every, I think probably, to be totally honest about this world that we live in, everybody thinks about that stuff. You know, I remember when I would go to meetings in the beginning, I would think about what I was going to say when I got a year or whatever, like, you know, just stuff like that. And I think about, you know, you're a different, I mean, this is a stupid thing to say, but you're a different kind of drug addict than I am because, like, when you go over your past, it's like you didn't have to get sick to get out of it. Right. You know what I mean? Right. And, like, and, and I know you pretty well, and I, but I can't possibly put your brain on, but I like to pretend I can. <laughs> Um, so like what I imagine you think is why would I say it? Because I was never, I don't need them to know that I was such a fuck up because they didn't know. Do you think that? That's me wearing a rose brain. No, I I never think that. I just think, uh, well, I guess that's not true totally because I do think, oh, there would be a lot of people who had no idea who would then know. Exactly. Um, and... Yeah, I don't know. Sometimes I feel like it would be cool to do it, you know, and, and the more people that know that you can be a power of example, the more people that might reach out to you for help or think about, you know, if they themselves might want to get sober who normally didn't think those thoughts before. You know, you know what Paul used to say about it? Huh? Paul, my old sponsor, used to say, you never give up your anonymity because if you fuck it up, then you're a negative example, that the program doesn't work. That's what, I mean, Paul is like classic Jewish pessimist. There's a, there's a classic line. Um, you, you saw the movie Airplane? Yes. The line that I think defines me, it was actually one of my high school yearbook quotes, is that, is that the end of, uh, well, when, when the ship is going down, when the plane looks like it's going to crash, they, they cut to um, this dude on the news, and he says, they bought their tickets. They knew what they were getting into. <laughs> I say, let them crash. And I, I, I've lived by that, you know? And it's like, and it's not necessarily the nicest way to live. But even when I fucked up, I was never like, I can't believe this. You know what I mean? It was always like, I fucked up. It's my fault. You know what I mean? I'm an idiot. You know, it's probably because, like, my self-hatred is, is high. That's probably why it's like that. But before we say anything else, first of all, congratulations. Do you want to say how it feels or it feels like it did last week, basically? Mm, it feels really good. It feels like you think, I, but I feel like you think about it so much in the month before and like, you know, you know how many shares did I have where I'm like, my anniversary's coming up. I feel really squirrely or like, I want to get high. It's probably because I'm approaching four did years. Did you say that? Yeah. <laughs> That's terrible. Yeah. That's funny. But you need something to talk about in this fucking place. Totally. Um, what was I going to say? Um, lots of stuff is going on in, in, with, in Dopey Land. If you're, if you're, lots of stuff is happening. There's a lot of moving parts. You're feeling Land. good. Feeling That's good. good. You're riding high on the Artie sighting. I'm riding high on the Artie sighting, but... Sighting is is really a misnomer. The uh, the Artie stalking. Yeah, the Artie stalking is way more accurate than the Artie sighting. And if you listened to Dopey last week, you will hear me and Ray discussing my plans to stalk Artie on Monday. uh, This week. So today is Thursday. Mm -hmm. So Monday, I had it big on my calendar, stalk Artie on Monday. And uh, I went and I did 
a job. I, you, you know what you should put big on your calendar? What? Is Monday, November 4th. That was my, that was my anniversary. You know, it's funny because... So put it in your... Put you, it in actually, your... you actually texted me as soon as I took the picture with Artie. I saw it was your anniversary. It oh. was like... It was like some is, that, kind of... is that odd or is that God? I don't know. It's both. I think, it, <laughs> I think it's odd and God and a little bit Todd, too. Ah. Um, so fucking... I went and I did a job, a uh, catering job, and it went... Ex- it was a new thing. It went extremely well, and we were done early, and I was kind of like, maybe I'm not going to go see Artie. Maybe I'll leave Artie alone. Maybe I'll give Artie a break, is what I was thinking. But, you know, cooler heads prevailed, and I decided that uh, how could... It's like it means so much to me. Like, And why does it mean so much to me? And people say very negative things about this thing, about my devotion to Artie Lang. And I think that... I think Artie's very funny. I think Artie uh, is obviously one of us. Um, But my devotion to Artie Lang... Is, is basically the same thing as my loyalty to friends. You know, like, I'm very loyal to my friends. Like, and it's, it's like, I'm, I'm, like, weird. Like, I'm loyal to my clothes. Like, I have clothes I should get rid of. Yeah, we should and, talk about those jeans. I know. I, shouldn't, I should really not be wearing these jeans. And in fact, this morning I was looking at them. I was like, I should have washed these jeans. I actually bought new jeans, but I didn't think that you deserved me wearing the new jeans oh, today. Oh, thank you. Anyway. So new jeans for DopeyCon next year. No, I, I actually had a moment. I, this is another insider DopeyCon moment. I had these jeans, which I wear every day, and then I had a new pair of jeans that were like these thick Levi's, uh, you know, like five, not five hundred one, but some five something. Or yeah, other. yeah, yeah. And uh, these are lucky jeans, and I find that lucky jeans are like softer. And, uh, and I like how they fit. Like, I bought a pair of Lucky Jeans. They were cheap. I was like, I like them. And it was on sale. And it turns out Lucky Jeans are normally $100. So now I'm, like, hooked on these expensive jeans. What are you looking at me like that for? Uh, who even has ever heard of Lucky Jeans? $100 is not a lot of money for, for jeans. jeans. Are you kidding me? Anyway. So and I, they need to be about a size smaller, if not more. I don't want to be uncomfortable. I like to have loose-fitting loose garments. And you look unkempt. I, I wear you my... Look, you look sloppy. I wear my clothes like a loose-fitting garment. <laughs> um, that's how you have a loose... I mean, when have I not looked sloppy? That's my... Never, I know. I can, I can reel in my sloppy style, but I don't... I choose not to. I, I like to be sloppy. Maybe... What do you want me to wear? Under Armour fucking tight shit? And f- What do you want me to be? How do you want me to live? If I imagine you see me in tight jeans, what would you say? Not tight, but a little, maybe a little more fitted. Why? For what? To just look neater, more buttoned up. For who? For whom, I should say. I'm fucking serving coleslaw and potato salad and, and podcasting <laughs> from the privacy of my father's kitchen. Nobody sees anything. You know, you got to act as if. Got to act, act as if. So you're, you think you're I should wear. Time. I should, but I don't want, I, even if I'm big time, I want to wear loose fitting garments. Like I wear That's my life. A, you can wear loose fitting garments. Just, you know, you need to make sure you're updating. Well, the truth of the jeans is, I just want to be clear. These jeans are very dirty. First it, yeah, of all. you need to make sure they're clean. They're very you dirty. You need to make secondly, sure probably every six months you're getting a new pair. Six months. And secondly, like the thing about these jeans is they are probably a size too big because I don't like to feel snug. I don't like that feeling. So because they're a size but that'll too big, help you with, you know, your cookie allotment. I don't like that. I don't want to have that situation. I don't want to have that. Um, anyway, because they're a size too big, 
they do tend to sag or droop. And, and this is the first pair of jeans I've worn in a long time that droop so much that it, I stepped on the heel of them so that it created that, you know, the ring in the jeans yes. where it comes below your shoe yes. until finally it rips. And then you have those fucking hippie pants with thing at the bottom. So look what I did. I had to fucking do that. I had to cut the hem of the jeans off. Now it's time for a new pair. I have one. And they're in an Amazon package at home. But let's talk more about the shirt. I, I mean, you have to finish the Artie story. Okay, yeah. So I decide, okay, my loyalty to Artie is what I was talking about. And, and I was talking about how I don't throw away clothes. That's how we got on this tangent. But my loyalty to Artie is really about the years that I listened to him uh, with Howard. And, and that those years, I felt like I was there. And like I developed this serious like love for him and Howard and the show and Artie's life and whatever. Like, I was bamboozled into thinking I was there, you know, basically. So now if I have... And, and also, Artie came on the show. I mean, anybody who doesn't know, the last time uh, I hung out with Chris was at Artie's house in Hoboken. Mm-hmm. And I think that's meaningful. Artie, Artie's a crazy drug addict, and Artie has nine months clean. So Artie should be on the show. You know, Artie's part of the show, if he likes it or not. Anyway, so I, I, I got him a pastrami sandwich... I fucking got him a dopey beanie. New dopey beanies are available. I actually have probably 95 at home. So please order the fucking beanies. I actually shipped six beanies yesterday. And I went up to uh, the Anthony Cumia show where I used to stalk Artie on a regular basis. Mm -hmm. Anthony from Opie and Anthony. Mm -hmm. And um, I gave him the hat. Well, I saw him and he looked at me. Where did you see him? Outside? No, I actually was outside and I was like, should I wait outside? Or it was like, it was like 10 to 4, okay? And the show starts at 4. Okay. And Artie, like you, are, is notoriously late. I am not. I'm on time. <laughs> okay. Anyway, but then I had this moment outside where I decided, do I stay outside and wait for him or do I fucking bite the bullet with 10 minutes and go upstairs? And I was like, fuck it. I'm just going to go upstairs. He was there. He looks at me and he kind of gives me this look like, who the fuck is... I know this guy from somewhere look. And then he realized who I was and he mm-hmm. kind of smiled. And then I asked him if he knew who I was. And he said, yeah, Dave, Dopey Podcast. And I said, that's right. And, um, and then he wanted to uh, smoke a cigarette, so I went outside with him. You didn't smoke? No, I didn't smoke. But would I, If Artie said, Dave, smoke this cigarette, would you have smoked? No, it's funny because years ago in the beginning of my stalking, the first stop on the Artie Stalking Express, Linda and I went to see him at Caroline's. And, um, and I brought him a pastrami sandwich and a dopey hat. Uh, that time, too. I think every time. I've, I think Artie probably has five dopey hats and has eaten several pastrami sandwiches. Um, and I just quit smoking. You bring him a whole or a half? A whole. I had just... I, I'm going to bring Artie Lang a half of a pastrami sandwich. <laughs> so I had just... I had a ju- half is very filling. Not for... You can't do that. You got to be very, you know, generous. Or I had just stopped smoking. Like, I had just stopped smoking a month before we went to Caroline's. And I went to the green room and Artie's fucking smoking Marlboro Reds with some, like, Asian kid who looked like he was 14 years old. It was a very weird scene. And, um, and I was so desperate to smoke a Marlboro with Artie. And I ha- but I hadn't smoked in months. And I had never gone months without smoking. And I was like, I'm not going to do it. And then when Chris and I were in Hoboken, again, Artie's fucking chain-smoking Marlboros, and I didn't smoke. This time, he's changed his brand to Maverick. And I don't want a Maverick. I just, I wasn't, I wanted to smoke with Artie. You know, I love smoking. And did you miss smoking? 
Sometimes, occasionally. Either I have two reactions. Either I really want to smoke or I'm disgusted. Right. I always want to smoke, but I know there is no one cigarette. You know, one cigarette is infinite cigarettes. Anyway, Artie was... uh, It's a little weird because, like, obviously I'm not friends with Artie Lang. Artie Lang doesn't know me. He knows that I'm kind of obsessed with him. He knows that I want him to be on the show. And... um, but I got him to record a little bit for the show. Do you want to hear it? Yeah. Okay. Hey, it's Artie Lang. I'm with Dave from Dopey Podcast. I'll be on soon. I don't care what anybody says. This is we're, we're outside of his Kumia show. He's making his comeback. He got a pastrami sandwich. He says he's going to come on. I believe him. He has a beautiful look in his eyes. My wife said that your eyes might be more beautiful than mine. Wow. Which has hurt me. That's rare. It hurts. I'm sure that's rare. <laughs> Thank you, Artie. <laughs> Salud. So, yeah. All right. What do you have to say? It's funny. It's good. Um, I think he'll come on. I think he means it. Well, so check it out. Um, That day, his appearance on the Joe Rogan uh, podcast came out. So Artie's on Joe Rogan right now. And yesterday, uh, it was the number one episode out of every podcast. Wow. And uh, and I texted him, congratulations, man. Uh, You have the number one episode out of any podcast. And he wrote, what do you mean? And I wrote... You're fucking the number one episode out of everything on iTunes. And he was like, holy. And I was like, I said, don't let it go to your head. Um, meaning like, because as an addict, you know, you can fuck everything up when you think things are going too well. And then I wrote, that's a joke. And then he wrote, I know. And then he wrote, I'm, I, he's, starting, he's starting a podcast. This is an interesting recovery story. He's starting a podcast that sounds eerily similar to Dopey. It's called Artie Lang's Halfway House, and it's like with a bunch of drug addicts and crazy stories, which sounds a lot like Dopey, right? And my first reaction, the only reaction I had was total fear. You know, I talked to Sam about it, and Sam was like, are you angry? And like, the truth is, no, I'm not angry. Dopey was basically inspired by Artie. I I cannot, and and also like, just because Dopey is like basically the most prominent fucking war story podcast it doesn't it's like obviously not the most original idea in the world we just got lucky you know what i mean it just turned out to be like it was a good example of this and already doing it like made sense but i was scared that Artie's show was mm. going to be better than dopey or like that like the and my head went all the way down the rabbit hole to the worst place that you can go with something like this which is dopey's over because Artie's doing Artie Lang's Halfway House. That's where my thinking took me. Yeah, it took about three seconds for you to get there. I, I think less. Um, and I was, like, all freaked out and all crazy. And, um, but I checked myself a little bit, and I reached out to you, and I reached out to Sam, mm-hmm. and, um, and I kind of managed it a little bit. I kind of just chilled out, whatever. And then yesterday morning, I went to a meeting. I went to the 8 o'clock meeting. And it was... Uh, what, 8 a.m. meeting? In... Long Island? Yeah. The Blue Point Bible Church. And uh, it was uh, actually a meditation meeting. And they played this... Um, <laughs> they played this meditation, which is like... You know how you go to a meditation meeting here? It's like non-denominational or like totally Eastern. So nobody feels like 
weird or whatever. There, it was like just a Jesus meditation. Wow. It was like meditating on Jesus and Moses and like all these like Bible figures. Wow. And she puts it on. Guided? She, like. Yeah. Yeah, and she puts it on, and she goes, "I hope I'm like not by the by the leader, or like guided, like tape." No, like a like an MP3, and she's like, she's like, "I hope I'm not offending anybody because Jesus is in this meditation meeting," and uh, and then the shares start coming around the room, and the first guy's like, "What the fuck, man? I don't know how other people think a higher power should be anything besides Jesus. I don't know why you're apologizing for that," and uh, which is like, it's to me, it's fine. You know what I mean? The idea is that a higher power. Is something that makes you not be stuck in your head. You know, a higher power lets you see your place in the world. And if Jesus does it for for somebody, you know what? The, I don't have anything to say. I salute, as Artie would say. Um, but anyway, so I, I, I see my sponsor at the meeting. So I said, "Dude, can you come talk to me? You know, can you get coffee with me?" So me and my sponsor, who is a you know a super Long Islandy guy, you know, fucking big guy. Tattoos all over his neck, tattoos on his knuckles that say real deal. He's like yeah. a contractor. He builds houses, whatever. And um, and we sit there and I said, I know this is going to sound crazy, but uh, I need I have this thing where I'm scared Artie Lang's podcast is going to be bigger than mine. Mm-hmm. So he has to, he, he takes me through the 12 steps on this fear. And it was just like it was profoundly great. You know, it was profoundly great. And the point is like. You know, I often talk about like my will or God's will, and I don't like that kind of a talk, like, mm-hmm. like, cause I like to be ambitious. And what if God doesn't want me to be ambitious? And all this kind of fucking recovery speak that I don't feel comfortable with. And he's like, and what my sponsor says, my sponsor, who's a very beautiful guy, he says that his higher power is just love and, um, and that there is no, my will there is only god's will and for him god's will is love and things are going to happen as they happen anyway so you might as well be okay with it period you know and it's like all right that makes sense but and 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 dopey nation i hate to be super programmy here i'm never this programmy on the show right oh i inspire you well am i ever this programmy on the show do you think this is too programmy for the show no i think it's fine you got to sit closer to the mic i think it's fine anyway it was a great, great moment. And then, so after I text Artie... I will say that I went crazy at a meeting last week because uh, it was like a meeting of like 20 people and a uh, speaker shared on the third step. And then the leader said, uh, we're not going to do time sharing because there's not that many of us. Cut to all the fucking crazy people in the meeting share. Everybody's sharing for like four to eight minutes it's like willy-nilly I raise my hand I go there I'm insane about you know romance and I just shared like I was just like there's nothing worse in an AA meeting than untime sharing this is a fucking nightmare for me I'm like I was crazy that was your share yeah I was like I was crazy when I got here I'm more insane now um you know, in my opinion, nobody wants to hear anyone for more than two or three minutes, and that's why we have time sharing. So I don't, you know. Good for you. I maybe, love that. Maybe I need more recovery, but I mean, the same. I don't know that, like, 
a Jesus guided meditation, like, I don't know, I think in AA, a higher power should be non-denominational. So you don't like... Well, some, she even said some newcomer that comes in that's like fuck this Jesus shit. Like, right? There's no newcomers in this meeting. They're all like, they're they're just, not just to play devil's advocate, just to argue that. No, no, no. I, listen, like, it would have raised my like years ago. It w- I wouldn't have been able to stay there. I would have just left. Mm-hmm. You know. But I think this is another thing that I want to talk about. It's like where you are in your recovery, and also like, like, like put it like this. When I needed to get clean, and when I, when I say I needed to, it's like when I actually did. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I always wanted to get high until I finally was like, I need to get clean, you know? And when I needed to get clean, you could tell me that my higher power would have to be Jesus, and I would have done it, you know, because I needed to do it. Right. You know? Um, and that's where, I, where I've been since I got clean. Before that, I couldn't even, like, the idea of having a higher power, I was like, nah. The idea of listening to someone else, I was like, no. Like, I didn't want to do anything. I think that's the key, listening to someone else. But I think, like, she even said, like, it annoyed me, you know, the, 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 the Christian thing. It annoyed me. I was probably the only non-Christian in the room, you know, and it, it annoyed me. But at the same time, it didn't really annoy me. I, it's like, whatever, you know what I mean? Like, whatever it takes to make you better, mm-hmm. I think is like, is, is the point. Anyway, and then so my dude is like, fucking, you know, what's the opposite of, of, of uh, selfishness? Selflessness. What's the opposite? And then he says, what's the opposite of fear? And then like in AA, they always say it's faith. And he goes, no, it's courage, you fucking idiot. And, uh, and, and he was like, and he was like, be brave. Know that Dopey is great. Dopey's great podcast and know and, and be selfless, be supportive of Artie, you know? So I got home and I saw that he was number one on the thing and I congratulated him and he couldn't, he didn't even know. Mm-hmm. And then he says to me, um, I'm going to get you on my show. It's going to be awesome. Be in touch soon. You know what I mean? And it was like, what a great, great thing, you know, what a great thing. Now I'm sorry, anybody. And then like, this is the other thing. Like, like we're talking about um, people we know that go out, that relapse. And there's a bunch of people, obviously, who listen to the show who aren't getting sober or who, like, aren't getting sober the first time, who maybe just aren't getting sober. And it's like, you know, I, you just got four years. I got four years a few months ago. And... um it's not easy in the beginning, you know, in the very beginning, like you don't know what you're doing and you don't know why you're doing it. And, and like, I know that like, it took me, you know, 15 years to get real time, you know what I mean? And then the time before that I got real time, I didn't want it. I just wanted to get high and early recovery is a really uncomfortable place to be. Like, what, do you remember what early recovery was like for you? I'm still in early recovery. They say anything, anything less than five years. You're so fucking Early annoying. recovery. Okay. Would well, you remember what the first year was like? Yeah, the first year was like detoxing. The second year was a lot of grief. The third year was anger. What are you, what are you breaking it? And the fourth year, I've been thinking about this a lot, and my fourth year, self-pity. I never thought that I was a person that had like struggled with self-pity, but I just like, I don't know, in this year I find... Oftentimes when I'm getting upset, when I'm getting into fear, when I'm getting down, it's like connected to self-pity. And, and you know, something in the book, like, you know, 
page 86, whatever, that on awakening, like, we must be divorced from self-pity. Like, anytime I am feeling bad for myself, I have to, like, cut that thinking off immediately. Because it's just, it goes nowhere good for me. It's, it's a terrible state that I need to stay far, far away from. Yeah, I don't feel self-pity often. I, I feel other stuff, but I don't feel self-pity. Um, but, I mean... Fear is like uh, it's like it's just a waste of time. You know what I mean? It's it's all a waste of time. Just try to enjoy every moment. Um, and I'm sorry for anybody who who's like tuning in and they want to hear drug stories and we're just giving them like the fucking Bible hour this morning. <laughs> the fuck is that? Do you feel badly about it? No. Okay, I want to talk about my clothes again for a second. You'll notice I'm wearing probably a hundred dollar T-shirt. I do notice and it's got a fancy like label on it as well. This t-shirt was a gift to me. This is a, the Couples. The Couples t-shirt and it was a gift to me from this dude named That makes sense cuz I was like Dave wouldn't buy this t-shirt. Well, it's a Nick's t-shirt though. And it's like it's probably the nicest t-shirt I ever had. It's doesn't it fit nice? Who gave it to you? This guy Alex, but his name might actually be Alec. It's Alec or Alex. And he, what, you're sad that I don't know the yeah. difference? Let's see. Let, let's find out what his name is. Hold on. So I apologize to Alec. His name is Alec. And he has a website called Clementino.club, okay? And Clementino.club is like a kind of, it's a website that's kind of like a magazine, but it's like a, a digital magazine, I guess. Is he a New Yorker? He's from Texas, but he lives in Brooklyn. Okay. And, um, and they approached me about doing a story about Dopey. And, uh, and I, I really love when people want to do stories about Dopey. So I met uh, him and his girlfriend, Marissa. And they did a piece with me called Wicked Fire, an interview with Dave from Dopey. Nice. And it's beautiful. And you can check it out at clementino.club. And um, it was fun. I, I hung out with them for hours and... Uh, and they gave me this nice shirt. This shirt is so fancy, it had a fucking lanyard keychain built into it. But who wants that? Whoa. Who wants a lanyard keychain? I remember years ago, you and me were walking to a meeting, uh, the early the 7.30 meeting, and there's a billboard with some couple on it, and it says Decouples. Yes. And I said, what the fuck is that? And you said, oh, that's a really expensive brand. And then he sends me this gift. Nice. Right? Nice. Right? Pretty sweet. Very lucky. Well... That's hard. That's hard earned. All right. So, um, so what do you say to somebody who's in early recovery that's struggling? I would say, get in the middle of things. Like, find a home group, find regular meetings that you go to regularly, get a sponsor, and you know, take suggestions. That's what I would say. All right. Let's play a voicemail. This is from Mick in England, and Mick has sent us. I think two other voicemails and I have a terrible feeling I've played this one before. It's like, I did that with this dude. Do you remember the dude? This dude was on acid and he sent me this fucking voicemail. And you played it twice? I played it twice. So if I play this twice, let's everybody pretend that I didn't. Just don't tell me I played it twice. If I played it once, let me know. Hello, Dave. Hello, Dopey Nation. This is uh, Mick here. I uh, just thought I'd uh, send you a quick message with a bit of dopey. Uh, I uh, heard you say recently you might be chasing some dopey stories, so uh, I thought I'd send one in. Anyways, um, here's uh, something that happened to me uh, quite a long time ago. I was about 20 at the time. Um, 
And it's one of those days, one of those series of events that makes me laugh how crazy addicts are. You know, any any one or two of these events that happened would be enough to put most normal people off drugs for life, like let alone all that happened in this week for me. But yet we we persevere with this with this insanity, and it, it just sort of <laughs> makes me laugh um, how our minds work, I guess. But anyway. Um, so my poor parents had had enough of 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 my junky ways, and they put me into uh, a program in in the UK called Detox Five, which is um, basically where they sedate you for five days. They knock you out and flush your system out with naltrexone. Um, Lenny Dykstra talked about it. I think when he was on, he said he'd done a very early version of it. Um, Anyway, so in uh, in the UK, you can do it. It's called Detox 5. They knock you out with uh, sedatives and barbiturates and this sort of thing. And while you're unconscious, they flush your system out with naloxone or naltrexone, so you wake up clinically, chemically clean. Um, and it it works uh, in, as, in as much as you are no longer physically dependent on opiates, so you wake up um, and that's that. Um, they discharge you with a script for a month's worth of naltrexone and um, and send you on your way, which um, theoretically with the right follow-up and the right mindset would, would work. But I had no intention of getting clean. I'd only done this because my parents put me into it, which, which is... Uh, it was just terrible. I'd done no prep work, you know, like I'd, I'd still had all my old cottons and filters saved at home. So as soon as I got back in the door... Um, at home, I had a shower and uh, under the pretense of a shower, and um, did my did my wash from my filters and cottons from the previous week. And because I was, you know, clean inverted commas, um, it had a hell of a fucking effect on me, and it knocked me for six. So I was straight back on the gear, not with you know hours after being discharged. And um, I woke up. I had sort of what must have been an attack of conscience. Uh, I felt really bad. I was like, oh, you're fucking this up. Your parents have just spent thousands and thousands of pounds on this and you're fucking it up. So I, so I, t- <laughs> I took a naltrexone. And, of course, because I was so freshly and I just kicked everything back off and just sent me instantly into acute withdrawal. And it was just evil. Like, I was vomiting and diarrhea and spasms and all this and in the end I just I just got in the shower turned the shower on warm and I just sat there in the shower crying and letting the vomit and the shit come out straight into the bath in the shower and I was just evil like it's like nothing anyway so this goes on for about six hours and then the worst sort of wears off and I just lie in bed just shaking um so I've got no money. I've given all my cards and that, my keys and everything to my parents under this pretense of getting clean. So I wake up, at, well, I wake up, didn't sleep, but I rouse at five o'clock the next morning, sneak downstairs, steal mum and dad's credit card, run out around the corner to the cash point. I took £150 out, went back, put the card back, got my phone, put some money on the phone, Called the boys, and the plan was so I'm going uptown. I'm going to see my mate Jerry and get a tenth, tenth of brown, tenth of smack, and I'm going to see Banton, 
and get a gram of white and get a gram of crack. So I phone them both, tell them I'm coming. I'm going to be on the train because I've got no car. Boom, jump on the train. It is pissing down with rain. I mean, it is just diabolical. I get soaked to the bone. I'm in acute withdrawal, still shaking. The train fucks out just out of London. By this this time, I was staying just about two, um, oh, half an hour south of London, down in Kent. I'm, um, the, so the train's all fucked up. Anyway, I, I, I get off the train at London Bridge eventually, and I go down the back where the Shard building now is, um, down towards the McDonald's to meet my mate Banton for the white, because while I desperately wanted the smack first, I couldn't get it. Banton had the best white, and Jerry said he'd be another hour, so I had to wait. So that's fine. I think, oh, I'll get this out of the way. So I meet B down behind the fucking McDonald's London Bridge, and he's... Um, fucking on time miracle of miracles so transaction goes I get my grandma white and as I'm walking off around the corner from the McDonald's I hear this big kerfuffle oi against the wall I'm like oh no 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 and I can hear this kerfuffle. I think someone's getting someone's getting arrested and I turn but I can't see anything and I'm, there's no way I'm going back so I keep walking and then I fucking hear no no not him the white guy I'm like, oh, fuck, no, no, no. So I run into the crowd, and I hear footsteps running behind me. I have no idea how far or near they are. So I disappear into the crowd. Luckily, this time of day, that part of London's pretty busy, and uh, I disappeared into the crowd. I a big loop round to the other entrance to the station, jumped back on the train, moved one stop down the line and got off again. And now I'm meeting my mate Jerry. Go and get my smack. Anyway, he's late, fashionably late. Of course he's late. So I'm waiting and waiting, and the rain is just torrential. Um, and so, so I take refuge in this staircase, this council, block of council flats there, and I'm just hiding in the staircase, and I hear this guy above me, this fucking crazy Jamaican West Indian accent, go, hey, hey, boy, you're waiting? I say, yeah. You waiting? I said, oh, you're waiting for... I'm like, well, who are you? He said, me can get your ting, man. You give me, give me your monies. Give me your monies, I'll go get your ting. I'm like, fuck off, man. I ain't, I ain't just going to give you my money anyway. He's trying to hustle me in the staircase. And he's a scary-looking motherfucker. You can barely see his eyes. He's got these huge long dreads. He's a big fucker. I'm like, oh, I don't need this. I, I don't need this. So I managed to engineer the fucking sort of position in the staircase where I can get away from him and um, nothing nothing bad happened but he was just gonna I'd, like I knew what was coming and, and it's not a safe part of town so I finally meet Jerry anyway he turns up transaction goes down and I'd previous to this I'd, I'd planned to meet my mate George uh, who was a rich boy, <laughs> a rich kid I knew who was always up for buying, buying smack because he couldn't ever get a direct connect to a dealer so I thought I could make a bit of money here because I used to sell it to him for twice the price. Um, and I had about 20 missed calls from him because I'd been in this Detox 5. So I told him to meet me. And um, so I sold a bit to him for some profit. By this point, I've snorted some and got well, but I didn't have any needles because I hadn't had time to go to a pharmacy. My old manky fucking piece of shit syringe I'd used was the last one I had. I couldn't get any spikes. Um, I had none, so I chucked it. I thought, oh, I'll go to the chemist, but of course, you know... Other things took uh, priority, so I didn't have any um, any spikes. Um, 
So the plan was then, I thought, right, well, fuck it, I'll snort some and then I'll have a speedball when I get home. Um, so I got back on the train, um, drugs, bit of extra money in my pocket. I thought everything's great. Um, and then I I got this uneasy feeling that I was, I was being watched. <laughs> so I was sitting there and there was these two guys in bomber jackets and black leather shoes and, and I thought, oh, no. And I just just had the feeling and it turned out I was right. So I got up and stood by the door of the train and the train stopped and then carried on and they sort of were on the edge of their seats and I got up, so I'm waiting by the door and then, yeah, the train pulled into about two stations back from where I live and I waited again and I could see them and just as the doors were closing I jumped off and I just saw them both jump up and leg it towards the door and hit the emergency stop button so I thought fuck so I run 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 up through the up the steps through the ticket office and I took my parcel of drugs that I had in my bum crack down the back of my boxes and I chucked it down behind a newspaper bin in um, front of a corner shop outside the station and I ran, ran, ran down around the corner and I bloody jumped into this front garden this over a brick wall and into a rhododendron bush in this front garden and I'm hiding there and it's getting cold, it's getting dark and I'm looking out the front and I'm paranoid and um, the cops bloody I saw them run past the end of the road um, and I just waited. I never saw anything else, but I waited for so long. And by this point, I'm getting sick again, and it's wet, like I'm soaked to the bone. Um, and I must have been in there for a couple of hours anyway. And just before, I'd like I was scared the shop was going to close, and he was going to pull his newspaper bin back inside. So I ran back out, tore around. This is hours later, and I fucking he wasn't shut, and I just. Pulled the newspaper bin to one side. My parcel was still there, thank God. So I've grabbed it again, back on the train and fucking back home. And that was the end of the day. Um, That was how I relapsed. Fucking no more than 12 hours after getting discharged from detox. And it's a horrible story, really, because it's just, it's, it's pathetic. It's fucking... It's it's fucking pathetic, but it's it's funny with hindsight having come out the other side, I guess. And like I say, it just sort of makes me laugh. The lengths that we'll go to, you know, any any one of those things would be enough to put normal people off drugs, but not us. Um, yeah. So anyway, that's a dopey story. I hope somebody enjoyed it. Um, shout out the dopey nation i love you all i love talking to you on the facebook page it's 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 done it's been wonderful for me it's very cathartic very helpful dave i love you man keep doing what you're doing awesome awesome podcast it just goes from strength to strength and it's 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 a thing of wonder it really is so stay strong dopey nation toodles for chris love you all bye thank you mick fucking crazy dopey story just when i thought the show was a little too god-centered and recovery centered we have nick with a grandma white and a grandma brown
And his Jamaican impression is way better than mine. This is good. Way, way better than mine. That's a gnarly story. I have to say this. You know, one thing, and I don't know if it's good or not. When, when Chris and I used to record the show um, and we'd get a dopey story, all of a sudden both of us would, like, come alive. Yeah. Like, with dopey stories yeah. because it's like we'd think about all the, you know, it just rekindles that thing. And, and Mick did that to me, too. And the thing that, um, I mean... I just have to say, like, I've been to detox way more times than I could count. I've probably been to every free detox in Manhattan. Did you ever have that where they knock you out for five days? No, I wanted it. but That sounds wonderful. Yeah, everybody, everybody wants, that's the rapid opiate detox. Like, everybody wants that. I, I think it's very expensive, the rapid opiate detox. Um, I just want to say that I never, ever have come out of a detox or a rehab, even even, like, a fucking, I, I was in rehab for like three months in Florida. I was in rehab for a month in Connecticut. I was in rehab for a month in Rhinebeck upstate. I was in countless detoxes. I've never, ever come out of one and didn't use immediately. There was not a time that I got out of a program and didn't get drugs immediately, like mm. within the day. Mm. Um, and like... And I don't know what that's about. I know that, the, like, when I met Chris at Mountainside, that, um, that uh, I remember it was my birthday when I got out, and my sweet father drove up to pick me up, and me and him went out to lunch in Great Barrington, and then we drove home, and he's, he always, he doesn't know how to talk about this stuff. He's like, so, are you going to get your act together this time, or whatever, you know, and I'm like, I don't know, blah, 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 blah. I get home, um... And I found uh, a new needle in a forbidden, pl- I had a forbidden planet bag, like one of these nice non-recyclable bags that they give you for whatever reason. And, um, or re- I guess they are recyclable is the idea, right? The bags that aren't plastic bags, like... Yeah, yeah so I had, reuse them. Yeah, so I had a reusable <laughs> forbidden planet bag and it had two new needles in it. And I looked at it and I was like, I, I just thought, what's the point of having a needle if I don't? get dope yeah so i got dope one last time that time and then i remember a few days later todd came and met me and like we got stoned on the balcony on grand street and we went out for this big chinese dinner and we sat there talking and and we were it was the first grand street apartment was that with the really good view Mm -hmm. do you remember with the with the view you see that the chrysler building and the empire state building and it's like it's beautiful and it's before they built all these buildings that are there now um, and me and Todd sat there and we smoked, uh, Todd was like a master joint roller and we smoked like one of these crazy fat joints. And all I could think was, how can I give this up? And all this was, was getting stoned with Todd on the balcony and like, were what? you also shooting heroin? No, no. I, I just shot heroin the one time. And oh, just the first, just when you, yeah, when you got yeah, out. Yeah. And then I was like, I'm not getting more. Oh no. I, you know what it was? This is what it was. I got heroin. I got super high. Devin in the morning hit me up and he said, uh, I said, do you want to, he said, do you want to play basketball? We never did. So we went and we played basketball and then we came back to the apartment and I had just gotten back from rehab and we had come back to the apartment and, um, and I went straight to the bathroom and threw up cause I had done dope the night before and I was still high <sighs> and cause I had no tolerance. And then I told him that I had done dope the night before and he goes, and I still had dope. I bought like a bundle. I still had like six bags and I threw them away. I flushed them down the toilet with Devin because it was like, what the fuck am I doing? There's my dad's fucking phone. Let's see how fast he can answer it. 
Oh. Very nice. Quick. Um, and, I, and I threw away six bags of dope. And, and I, is that before you and I reconnected? Yeah. It must have been. Yeah, it was before we, we reconnected. Um, but then I hung out with Todd a few days later. And, I, you know, I'm such a fucking piece of shit that I, you know, this is the weird sort of uh, conundrum. I'm such a piece of shit that I didn't give Todd those bags, you know, that I threw them away. And, of yeah. course, it's the bags that wound up killing him. You know what I mean? Like, so, like, I feel like a dick that I was too self. And I, and what, I what didn't, do you mean it's the bags that end up killing him? I mean, like, a, a random bag of heroin wound up killing Todd. Um, but it's funny because I still feel like I know I didn't give him the heroin because if I wasn't going to do it, he wasn't going to do it. That makes sense. That checks out. Yeah. <laughs> I also had like a bunch of Adderall that like I think I wound up giving him. You know, I had like all this Adderall that I never took. And I w- I'm still convinced to this day that if I had ever taken Adderall, I would have like taken over the world. Like, I think the only thing that I'm missing is Adderall for my life. I really think that if I took Adderall, I'd write a book. I would, like, be a cult leader. I would, I would just do a million things. Like, I think the one thing that my sick brain is missing was Adderall. But me and Todd... There's still time. I'm not going to do Adderall. Me and Todd were sitting there smoking a joint, and we went to a Chinese restaurant in Chinatown, and we had, like, a multi-course dinner. And I just remember thinking, I don't want to give this up. You know, like, like, and it was the freedom and it was the past and it was our friendship. And, but then I wound up going to Narcotics Anonymous and I I went and I got clean for 18 months. Um, but I didn't do any step work. And, ah, that's, yeah, you went to the, you went to meetings. Was that still before? Yeah, that was still, it was, it was right at the end of that run that we became friends again. Hmm. Because I, I had started dating that girl, Irene. No, I think we became friends at, when you were dating Linda. No, oh, no, we saw each other, but we weren't yeah. like hanging oh, out. Oh, that's true. Yeah, that's true. Um, anyway, I digress. The point is that whenever I got out of treatment, I couldn't stay sober immediately. That it would, t- it took a lot of time. The only thing that I always knew when I got out, especially as I got older, was I didn't do that much heroin because. You, the only reason I would ever go to treatment was to, to not have a physical dependence, yeah. you know? Like, the idea... And, and this is whatever. I, I don't know if this means anything or it doesn't. But the idea that treatment is going to change the way you think, it's like, I, I don't see how that could ever happen for anybody. You know what I mean? Like, So what do you think changes the way you think? A decision... You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. trying, like I want to do this. I have to do that. Rehab is going to give you like tools to like, it's like I want to build a house, you know, and I could take a course on how to build a house, but I'm not going to get a house out of it. I'll learn how to build a house. Yeah. And then if I want to build a house, I can use what they taught me and do the fucking work and build a fucking house. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I don't remember the point. Yeah, I don't know. I have a friend uh, who just someone in her life just relapsed. And, you know, I told her it's like it's a fucking mystery and it's a miracle why anyone gets it when they get it, get it when they decide to to change, when they take drinking and using off the table. Yeah, it, I, I, it's like and I and I struggle um, because, you know, like losing Todd was uh you know, anybody who'd never heard this show before, Todd was one of my best friends and he died uh, last summer, two summers ago. 
And, um, and right after Todd died, Chris died the same summer. And, and uh, I talk about it all the time on the show. But what I don't talk about a lot as much as I'd like to is that a bunch of people and in, in the listeners have been dying. You know, this kid, Troy, one of our first listeners, died. This kid, um, Scott, another early, early listener whose wife, like, wanted to give us brownies. Uh, he died. Uh, Chris's good friend, Dave, um, who actually recorded an episode with us, and Chris erased it by mistake. Uh, he died. This kid, Andrew, who is this beautiful kid who was going to be a dopey intern. Yeah. Uh, and he died th- the day after I met with him. So it's like... This thing is killing everybody. I'm sure you guys know people that died. I know that there are people who listen to the show that are struggling right now. Um, I wish there was a magic thing, you know, but the only magic thing is finding some resolve in you that says that, you know, admitting that you want to do it or you don't. And if you want to do it by, by trying to, to do what is suggested. You know, and, and that that's the closest thing to magic. And then the other thing is if you don't want to do it, try not to do heroin because it all has fentanyl and it's going to kill you. Yeah, exactly. You know? Um, so I think that's a very uplifting story. <laughs> um, you watching TV these days or no? Uh, Great British Baking Show just finished a new season. Great British Baking Show. Best show on television. Is it really? Fuck yes. You obviously aren't watching Insatiable then. No. Oh, the one, yeah, the one you're always fucking cracking on second, about. Second season of Insatiable, pretty much unwatchable, but I powered through <laughs> it anyway. Fucking Alyssa Milano as a Southern Belle. Oh, God. It's like the craziest show. It's, it's retarded. It's a farce. I don't recommend watching Insatiable. Actually. I tried to watch The Watchmen and no idea what was going on. The Watchmen is so good. It is. Let me just let's stop because right I have no. I've never watched a watch. I have no idea about the comic. I tried to read the Wikipedia page to like get That's up so to funny. speed. I have no idea what the fuck is happening. I am like a sick comic freak, you know, and I rarely talk about it because I don't want the dopey nation to know what a nerd I actually am because they think I'm really cool. Um, but uh, I read The Watchmen, and The Watchmen is a very sophisticated comic. And I would dare to say The Watchmen is a little too sophisticated a comic for me. Mm. Like, I'm a little bit too stupid to really appreciate The Watchmen for what it is. And, I, and I've read it probably 20 times. And I've read it on heroin. Like, I, I read a lot of comics on heroin, and The Watchmen is no different. And I started watching the show, and I was like, eh. But then... It really came to life for me, and I. But I do have the background of knowing what they're talking about, you know. And and that's so you've been watching the HBO show, yeah. And, it's, and they, have they diverged a bit? Well, it's like a show that happens after the comic. Gotcha. So what I would recommend to you is read the comic. In fact, I'm going to go out today and buy it again. You know why? Why? Because why not? I love The Watchmen, and the show is fucking good. Okay. I haven't been watching that much TV. I've been listening to a lot of podcasts. Since September, I started listening to podcasts. You know, it's... it's Ooh, you just got a look, a look came over your face. That's because I know Very you're... Very disapproving. I know you're not listening to Dopey. I listen to Dopey, but I'm listening to other podcasts as well. What are you listening to? Mm, I listen to The Daily, New York Times, and Soul Processing. And then I've been listening to... Uh, true crime ones like In the Dark and uh, The Man in the Window and Dirty John. Dirty John. That's good. 
So would you say Doctor Death also good? Are these shows better or worse than Dopey? You can't. They're totally different. You can't compare. Of course, so they're worse, basically. Much better. Saying. They're better than Dopey, really? Are they really better? No, it's totally different. Listen, it is an age of... You know why the podcast ages upon us? Why? And this is a very sad thing. And I don't know what you're going to say when I say this, because I think the age of music is over, which is crazy to say. No, the age of music is not over. I'm going to say this. I have old ears. You do. My ears are 45 years old. And they, they struggle to find things that are new and enjoy them. I struggle with that. Then I think about it, though. Like, I like some new things that sound like they could have existed in the past. Mm-hmm. And I like... Are you really seeking out new music? No, definitely not. Okay. But my <laughs> point is this. Forget about me. And, and I think it has to do with rock and roll was invented in, like, 1952 it's now 2019, and that idiom is hard to crank out something new. You crank out something new, like how new can it be in that idiom? Like I'm still convinced, this is how stupid I am, that if a young band that was 16 decided, like right now, like 2019, right? 16-year-old band like starts, and they say, we are going to emulate the Rolling Stones in 1965. That sound. They would be like the biggest band in the world. I'm convinced of that. However, my point is... Well, I I mean, that's the thing with everything in history, right? Like, our memories are short. That's why, like, yeah, someone could come out with a band like that, and people would be like, they never heard it before. That's because we have a very short-term memory. But that's not what I mean. I mean that the Rolling Stones in 1965 was such a perfectly explosive, catchy, perfect music. It was the most consumable music ever. It's, it's just, it's all there. You know what I mean? The instruments sound great. The, the speed is right. The songs are catchy. It's got this thing that puts electricity in your spine. Yeah. It's like fucking kundalini yoga on record. But my point is that that's just something that you could just pluck. And then they kind of redid what they did in the 70s is all that punk rock music basically did that. They said, we want to sound like the New York Dolls or whatever, all that shit. And they wanted to sound like that. And then it kind of happens again and again and again and again. And now it's 2019 and like people need to come up with something else. Pop music. But you don't know what you're talking about because you're not listening to new music. So there is something that's giving someone that, that feeling, that energy right now. And that- I'm glad for that. But what I really noticed is that I see people and I hear people say... I've heard people say, oh, I stopped listening to music because I listen to podcasts now. I hear that all the time. Really? And I just heard you say I stopped watching TV because I listen to podcasts now. But I, if I was to bet... And also because I live in Los Angeles, so you spend a lot of time driving. You know, everything's 30 minutes to an hour, so... So you're listening to podcasts rather than what? Rather than listen to music in the car, there, but, not, no, 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 but no. not all the time. I still listen to music in the car, and I listen to music at the gym. I know, but you, my dear friend Aurora, are obsessed with being young and hip, so you need to listen to new music. You know, I was, I was at home last night watching the fucking Knicks suck, and our dear friend Bob Forrest, who seems to be sick at home with a flu, so we're wishing you well, Bob. Uh, puts a picture of Kanye West on Instagram and says, this motherfucker says he's the most important artist in history. But, and I just think it's like, you know, I, I, can't, I can't even be bothered. Like, I don't, it's like, 
this morning I was I listen to music all the time. I did, I have been watching Rhythm and Flow. Is it what is that? It's uh T.I., Chance the Rapper, and Cardi B's, like, show on Netflix where they're, like, trying to find the next hip-hop superstar. Is it good? No. No, it's not good. Um, <laughs> but, uh, and I want to watch that, uh, that Wu-Tang yeah. original yeah. series. Like, I'm dying to watch it, but I don't have Hulu. Mm. Um, and I bet you it's very cheesy. Um, and I've listened to, there's a, a rap, this is how fucking out of touch I am. What's his name? That he's a young. He's not young anymore, but he was like a big, big deal in rap world. Uh, that narrows it down. The last rap guy that I listened to that I enjoyed listening to was Kendrick Lamar. Um, Did I tell you that after my breakup last year, I was convinced that uh, the way to get through a breakup is to listen to a lot of Thin Lizzy and a lot of Kendrick Lamar. You didn't. I'm, I'm glad I didn't hear that. This this morning, <laughs> I, I'm still. I, like, I, I do suggest it. I'm just like a nostalgia kind of person. This morning I listened to, uh, I listened to the Wu-Tang Clan, as I do most mornings. <laughs> but, the, I mean, like, I'm stuck in the past. All right, let's move it along. Aurora's got to go soon, and there's a big thing that you need. A big thing is coming up in Dopeyland. A big thing. What? It's a movement. What? There's a movement that's happening. Here, read this. It's from a woman who wrote in last week, and I read her email last week. I don't know if I said her name. I don't want to have any name issues. So we're just going to call her L. Okay. Hi, Dave. First, thank you, my two beautiful kids. I mentioned prior went through hell. My son has been present for my journey and has listened to many episodes of Dopey. He was going to be my date to DopeyCon. Unfortunately, it was sold out. Sold out DopeyCon. You reading my story sent my daughter back to me after a year and a half absence. Those gifts that I would hear you talk about and desire are happening. So seriously, alt recovery. I was listening Hold to on, Bob. Say that again. So serious what? So seriously, alt recovery. Alt recovery. Continue, please. I was listening to Bob Forrest on his Don't Die podcast talking about his semi-retirement. How he can't seem to help this millennial generation. Wow. Later that day, I was listening to you and Chris talk about how everyone in recovery listens to your podcast, but they don't like it. Early episode in the 90s somewhere. That likely has changed. But my point is the fundamentalism has to go. Use the tools. Shed some rules. Chris would have been Use so... Use the tools. Shed some rules. Chris would have been so great at writing the new big book. Aw. It's such a shame. I know I'm reaching. Dopey Nation means so much to so many of us. DopeyCon sold out while I was working three open-to-close bar shifts. People came from all over. You can feel how loved that room was in the videos. Dopey recovery centers, dopey meetings, dopey literature. The best part is called fucking dopey. It's a big thought. The action would be hard to execute, but something has to change. There is so much hopelessness in the new generation of junkies. The biggest surge in opiate addiction due to big pharma. Dr. Drew says all the time there are so many addicts that would have never gotten there without the damn prescription pad. He also says they are harder to treat. Adjust the treatment. I love the last episode, Blue Collar Dopey. Back to the roots and away from celebrity. The show is different without Chris. I miss the banter of your friendship, as I'm sure you do too. Your strength is inspiring. It is inspiring, by the way. It's similar to when... You don't seem inspired by my strength, Aurora. Anyway, continue. It's similar to when Howard lost Artie. He couldn't be replaced, so the format changed. Every Saturday, I drive 40 miles to work through beautiful New Hampshire listening to Dopey. Attending church is how I think of it. I keep one headphone in while I sweep and mop up after every Friday night shift in my bar. The irony. The bartender serving Mai Tais at 11 a.m. listening to recovery banter in my right ear. 
I'm getting off track. The the struggle of some gnarly ADD. The alt-recovery movement is like a whisper. How do we make it loud? Stay strong and toodles for Chris Jammy. The alt... You just said her name. Oh, shit. The alt-recovery movement. Now, hold on. Dad! Come here. So here we go. Everybody's favorite on the show. My dad taking his time getting up from his, his own compulsion and obsession with fantasy basketball... But here he is, Alan. Welcome to the show, Dad. Alan! Hi, Aurora. It's nice that Aurora's here. Yeah, my basketball teams are doing great. Very right, good. All right. So what are you bringing me in here for? What did you do for the dopey, nation, the dopey movement yesterday? Oh, good grief. I had to contact the United States government trademark office, which was major big deal. Anyway, but my I... Dad, my dad leads the legal team in dopey. Yeah, you know, that means... That the the dope, dopey legal team. The dopey legal team is in deep trouble, let me tell you. Anyway, so I signed up for this trademark, so... What, what kind of trademark? David said you should get a trademark, Alt Recovery Movement. And I said, well, what, what the heck is that? I have no idea. What the Alt Recovery Movement is, it's a very loose idea. The idea is if you're using and you want to not be using to try anything to not use. That's the Alt Recovery Movement. It's a blanket statement for not applying dogma to getting better. I mean, did 12-step shit get me better? Yes. Does that mean it has to get everybody better? No. And the alt-recovery movement is a open arms. It's a blanket for the cold and rained-on addict to come under and nuzzle for warmth. And if you don't get well, that's okay, too. If you get well, terrific. We don't care. We just want you in the alt-recovery movement. But you're supposed to be able to prove that you're using it. I'm using This is me using it. This is this bit. I'm using it. But wasn't it something about a health, healthy lifestyle? He the to- healthy lifestyle is to inspire drug addicts to consider not using drugs. All right, so this is what has to be the proof to show to the United States government that you own the trademark to all recovery movement. So yes. this right here is the spark in the universe of the alt-recovery movement, we welcome everyone to join in. Jamie, I'm sorry I stole this from you, but you have a place in the alt-recovery movement, I promise you. The truth is that last summer, around the time of the BBC episode, I was getting a lot of emails from people saying that Dopey was helping them. And, and I realized, like, you know, I, I mean, like, one thing I have to say is I'm certainly not qualified to help anybody, nor am I bonafide in any way, shape, or form, or, you know, I, I have no, no qualification whatsoever. I do, however, have the experience of getting well and enjoying my life in recovery, and it seems that, like, with our show, with the dumb stories, and with the friendship, and the love, and the family, and all the good stuff that we do, people are attracted to the uh, untraditional way that we kind of talk about recovery, and that's the alt-recovery movement. Terrific. And by the way... Even you, Dad, yeah. are a part of the alt-recovery movement. Well, that's really nice. I would say you're probably the weakest link <laughs> yeah, in the alt... Wait a minute. You, you announced that, that I haven't seen any iTunes reviews, and all of a sudden they're coming in now. Well, that's how you do it. You it was nudge, a, the squeaky wheel gets the grease. <laughs> well, there were some beautiful ones. Really super. Here, here. This is a good yeah. opportunity for you. Here. So read one. Here, hold on, hold on. Talk for a second. Just talk. Well, Aurora, what do you think about the alt-recovery movement? <laughs> I find it troubling. I knew you would. So why do you find it troubling? <laughs> oh, man. I don't know. I mean, I think... Uh, 
What tr- you don't want to have a place in the alt recovery universe? No. You're forsaking your your seat in the alt recovery universe. I don't know. I think uh, if I, it's I, helping people and it's I a think, very nice open ended thing, what's wrong with that? Yeah, I think bottom line, I I think the twelve steps work, and I think. But is it the only thing that works? No, I don't think it's the only. I thing I bet you that somebody works. can just do push ups or bake cookies and get well. It's not as easy. The twelve step thing is very. It's very tells you what to do. You just do what they tell you. Yeah. But so what's wrong with there's the fucking, a program of action and there's a fellowship around what it. What is wrong with the all recovery movement? I don't think there's anything wrong with. Well, the you just started movement. by saying you don't want to be I'm, a part of it. I'm saying you got sober through twelve step program. That's what. That's the only thing that's worked for you. Yeah, I'm telling you, twelve step recovery worked for me, but it doesn't work for everybody. And in fact, to be totally honest with you. I see the alt recovery movement as a way to get people interested in recovery who are scared of 12 step recovery and maybe they can get there through this open door policy. And I think that's great. I think any way that people can get sober and stay sober is is worthwhile. To say that 12 step fundamentalism is the only way is like a very like exclusive exclusivary that's not a word just like it's it's a term that will scare people away not everybody has that experience and i know people who are clean that didn't get clean through 12 step they have all sorts of cockamamie programs these days smart recovery all that other stuff refuge recovery i hear you but i'm interested in what worked for me and i really believe in it and so that's what i want to talk about that's what i want to encourage people to have the willingness to try I agree, and and I and I will not say that the alt recovery movement got me clean. I think it's a fakakta idea, personally. But I do. I am happy my dad spent his hard earned money on it, and I'm also, you know, I really do think it can be an entry to something else. You don't see that? No, I agree with How you. How about I do see that, that email? She said alt recovery. She doesn't want to do the twelve steps. She's she's brought in. You have the lots of the dopey nation are already part of this. I mean, it makes sense to me, though the legal fees are getting to be too high. I'm All right, just that. read this review. This is a new review. <laughs> read it. you got to stay on the microphone, though, Dan. I know, but how can I read it and stay on the microphone at the same time? Chair. Right. I, I never get a chance to sit on the chair. I mean, it's... That's one of the traditions of dopey. Yeah, it's terrible. <laughs> I sometimes... What is the name? By a, by a privileged white man, man, for privileged white men. That's terrible. One star review. <laughs> read it. Star. Read it. I some I sometimes enjoy this podcast, but I'm often stuck by the fact that it's mainly wealthy white men who are misogynist at best. I can't recall ever hearing a story told by a racial. This is an old one. Yeah, I know, but I love it. This please, is an old please, one. And just this read This guy it. is full of baloney. Please read. Told it. by a racial minority, and I remember listening to just. Two by women. The men. I'm sharing- thinking of renaming the show to Whitey. By the way, that's terrible. That's I- terrible. Terrible. Continue. The men sharing have wealthy parents. Give me a break. <laughs> I'm not reading this anymore. Just come on. Finish no. the finish the review. Oh, no. <laughs> Holy shit. No, I'm not reading this. All right, all right. Do this one. Do this one. Here. Then you can do this one. Which one is this one? Jesus, Dad, put the fucking stand down. Come on. Oh, there you go. Okay. Sorry, he's cursing again. All right. The uh, this is this is from Great Podcast by somebody somebody's uncle. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't, how do you say it? Says, it says, right. 
El Belong Single. All right. This is the bed po- best podcast I listen to. Entertaining, funny, sad, great storytelling, keeps your attention. Not too formulaic or, or overproduced, that's for sure. So every episode is fresh. Amazed how well Dave has handled the transition to single host under awful circumstances. Love the voicemail stories, stuff you won't hear anywhere else. Thanks to the people who dedicate time and money. Yeah, money is my part. To make this... You don't, you don't <laughs> give that much money to the cause. No, no continue. Right, right. To make this jam every week. Very nice, yes. Okay. Thank you. Now, I want to tell you, before you go, I was, uh, I was on my way to work yesterday, and I run into uh, Mark, uh, the policeman in the building. Mm, yes. And it was funny because uh, Mark is a policeman who lives in the building, and he's come up on the show a number of times. My favorite one was Dopey Episode 81, where I tell a story of burning my couch and throwing it out the window in pieces, only to have Mark discover me while walking the beat. Um, Mark approached me yesterday, and he asked me if I remembered when he lent me money, and I didn't. And I said, how much money did you lend me? And he said, 50 bucks. Wow. So I immediately reached into my pocket to pull out a big fat wad of money, which I have because of the alt-recovery movement. And um, shit. I'm just playing. I, I got clean through 12-step recovery. The alt-recovery movement is, is an idea to help people. And, and you're against helping people, I, I, I figure. Anyway, so Mark says, no, 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 Dave. Your father paid me for the money. So thank you. Yes. Well, do you want? Do you want to tell? You want to recap that that gem? Um, no, no. We already spoke about that. Uh, we did. All, you right. talked about it on the show too. Yeah. I, yes. Uh, anyway, did you make amends and pay Alan back? He did, did, well, yeah. David has said some nice things to me. Yes. But did he pay you the money? Of course not. He doesn't pay back oh. money. He doesn't want the money. <laughs> so you still. Owen amends. No, he he does. He said he doesn't want amount, money. The amount that he owes is never going to be paid back. No, that's not happening. But this, it's it's his lifestyle that's. I've paid back. everybody else back. I have a living amend. He doesn't listen. He said he doesn't. I've offered the money. He doesn't want the money. Do you want the money? You're just going to give it back you to me. Ask you to just give it. Yeah. I don't have money like that. I owe him a fortune of money. It's never going to happen. Anyway, Mark says to me, "I said to, I said to your dad." You know, uh, David, uh, he lent me 50 bucks. You know, Mark's this very old school New York cop. And uh, he, said, he said to my dad, he said, he said what's going on? And, and, and Mark says to me, you know, your dad looked at me and said, he's very sick. So I thought about that. And, like, my poor father is walking around this world with me fucking super sick, on drugs, has to give the cop in the neighborhood 50 bucks. And that's not the only person he paid back on my behalf. He paid back a number of people. Right? I don't remember who else. Maybe just Mark. Maybe, maybe just Mark. Um, oh, it's interesting. I was in Krakow, Poland. That he told me this story, too. And, and I'm walking in Krakow, Poland, and this guy, Mark's brother, is on a, some tour in, in the same place, you know, in Krakow. I wasn't on a tour, but it was, like, amazing that two people from the same neighborhood are seeing each other in Krakow, Poland. Now, listen, are you guys both saying that you think the alt-recovery movement is bunk? No, I think it just makes a heck of a lot of sense, but why the heck do you need a trademark? I don't know. I just don't want anyone to steal it from me like I stole it from our nice listener. Is Dopey trademarked? Of course. He's the head of the, the legal team. Hey, the for... legal team was on top of that. Okay. Now, um, all right, so we're going to move on from that. Dad, uh, before you go, you haven't been on the show in a little while. Yeah. Do, you, 
Do you have anything critical you'd like to add before you go? Uh, critical? Well, you didn't say so much about the DopeyCon thing. Oh, yeah. What, what, why don't you give a little It recap? was really great. Don't you think it would have been better if Aurora had been there? Oh, yeah. I mean, it, it was... Aurora was it, too cheap to come to DopeyCon. Hey, I was unemployed. Anyway, it was, it was really wonderful. I mean, the people there were, were super. It was just terrific. Uh, made me feel great. And that's it? Well, yeah. Now uh, going to Los Angeles for the next one, I don't know about. I didn't that. say we were. I didn't say we were going to Los Angeles. Uh, yeah, yeah. He never never invites me, and then all of a sudden at the last second, probably he's going to ask me to pay his airfare or something. <laughs> yes. All right. Thank you very much for coming on the show. <laughs> so long, Dopey Nation. All right. And Dad, wait, hold on. Before you go, two things. Why don't you yell at Aurora for keeping her stuff on the terrace and tell her to stop saying you know and like so much. <laughs> He, he always says goodbye to me, and then he, then he says, he talking. says to me, he says, "So, David, when's Aurora gonna get all this junk off the terrace?" <laughs> no, I never said that, but she's here now. So, now how she... long does Aurora think I should be storing her junk on my terrace? <laughs> she's she's gonna take so a little bit of it today. Yeah. I don't know what she's gonna. That take means today. she's taking. She nothing. can leave it as long as she wants. Except I don't know what I'm gonna do with it. Oh, they take they're taking the terrace apart. You know, I, I know all about it. Dad. Yeah, it's yeah. gonna be a mess. Very, very messy. Okay. Anyway, no, Aurora can keep her stuff here. There's no problem. How about her like and you know quotient? Oh, she was great today. I think you're the one with the ohms that are terrible, but that's, that's your problem. Thanks, Dad. It's really a pleasure to have you on the show. All right. Now, before we go... Um, oh, yeah. Before we go, I want to tell you... Here, close that door. I don't, I don't like that door being open. You never vape anymore, huh? No. Never? Never. Never, ever? No. You wouldn't just take a hit off a of vape if somebody had a vape? No, because then I'll be right back to vaping. Really? Yeah. See, I can take an occasional vape off nicotine and not vape. Mm-mm. I can. I guess I'm cured. Maybe the alt-recovery mu- movement has finally saved my sorry But Do you think the alt-recovery music is dangerous? Mm. I don't want to do anything that's dangerous. I want it to be like a welcome mat into the world of sobriety. A shitty, dirty, fucking welcome mat that you can drag your feet on as you step into the world of uh, sobriety. You could even fucking be in the alt-recovery movement using, as far as I care. Just that you have an idea of, like, maybe wanting to find recovery one day. Because recovery, like, I have to say that my life is really the best it's ever been by far, and it would not be even close to as good as it is if I was using. Mm-hmm. And... um I don't know. I, I just think it's a fun idea, okay? I mean, I think whatever, you know, gets people in, whatever gets people thinking about it, and if, you know, I don't know. I, I, yeah, I think it's fine. Now, we have, we have time for one last thing. You can choose. Do you want to hear my funny story about the Chinese restaurant, or do you want to read a long email? Chinese restaurant. Okay. So I want to come back. I want to think more about this alt recovery thing. That's fine. And I'm sure the Dopey Nation is going to have a lot of stuff to say about it, both positive and negative. Yeah. So please, Dopey Nation, leave a review for my dad. Uh, Also, uh, write us on email, dopeypodcast at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook and Reddit and all that stuff. That would be terrific. We'd love that. Um, So the other day, I'm walking uh, to the train, and I'm very hungry. And I decide I don't want to spend a lot of money and I don't want to eat a lot of food, but I'd like a snack. And when I lived on the Lower East Side, my go-to snack slash small meal 
was the soup at the remember the Chinese place downstairs from my old yes. house, mm-hmm. and it was a dollar for chicken chicken and wonton soup like mm-hmm. this, you know, half a uh, pound of it. You know, if, if you're working a deli, it's a pound container. Um, so I see this fucking Chinese place on twenty uh, fourth and seventh, and I say to myself, I'm gonna go get a soup. So I go in there and it's packed. Okay. It's packed. I was actually on the phone with Sam when I walked in and I got off the phone with him because I can't talk in a room with people. So fucking there's this old Jewish guy, seemingly gay, and he's at the counter and he walk and it's like a bunch of like, it's like probably 10 Spanish teenage girls, this gay old Jewish guy and a, and a couple of like older black and Spanish people. So this is like real heartland New York City thing. And I walk in and, um, and the, one, the girl starts yelling at the old man. And she says, you got to say, excuse me. You got to say, excuse me. And he says, no, I do not have to say, excuse me. I was not in the wrong. You were in my way. And she goes, suck my dick, old man. And and she said, you got to say, excuse me. And he says, I will not say, excuse me. I was not in the wrong. And then the next girl goes, got to give respect to get respect. You, you can't be thinking you're old and I'm going to respect you and you're stepping right on my feet. And, and he, goes, he goes, I will not apologize. I was not in the wrong. And then some dude, an older Spanish man, she gets up and starts screaming at the girl, you got to respect your elders. You got to respect your elders. And she goes, he can suck my dick. She's screaming at him and the old Jewish guy is like, got his tray and he's running to the back to hide. And then I swear to God, it's like fucking do the right thing in there. It's bedlam. It's like you have a black girl screaming at the Spanish guy. This old man disrespected her. And it was just like, it was like a fucking time capsule of of unrest, of civic unrest. And the old man is eating his fucking shrimp with lobster sauce in the corner, like, you know, doing a little Mr. Burns with his finger, like happy for this chaos he created. And um, What did you do? You got right in the middle of it? Yes, of course. I'm just watching it. You know, I was ready to start screaming. Can't everybody just get along? <laughs> and I went up to the girl on the way out and I said, listen, I said, take a deep breath. Because she was like crazy. I said, you got to calm down. I said, this is a nice neighborhood. I said, it's a beautiful thing that so many different kinds of people can live in this neighborhood. And it's mostly very peaceful. I grew up in this neighborhood. I said, <laughs> I said you got to relax. And she looked at me and she said, suck my dick, old man. No, she didn't. <laughs> she, 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 she gave me a pound. She said, thank you. Because she was just like totally frazzled and she was like lashing out, mm-hmm. you know. But it was a crazy moment, you know. And I, I just wanted to tell that story. Do you think that's a worthy story to tell? A real, a real peacemaker. Dude, did I ever tell you the story about the, the time I stopped someone robbing someone in the bathroom in Washington Square Park? I said, leave this guy alone. <laughs> I did. When? Years ago. Oh yeah, that God. was a dumb, dumb move. I think we're done. I think it's done. You think we're done? That's how you're ending it? I think it's done. I mean, like, let's see. I got to go to work. You do? Yeah. You know what I just bought? What? Do you want to hear a couple things I'm annoyed with, or do you want to hear about what I just bought? What are you annoyed with? You know what I fucking hate? Hmm. Phone chargers that don't work. Like, what the fuck is that? Are you buying cheap off-brand phone chargers? You know, I was. I was buying cheap off-brand phone chargers. And then I started buying expensive off-brand phone chargers, like Belkin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I have they, a Belkin. It works good. It fails, you know? And then I decided from now on, I'm going to buy Apple products. And then yesterday, 
I go to my barber, Igor, very mm-hmm. angry man, mm-hmm. and he starts screaming at me that you he... You went yesterday? Your hair looks like very pu- fluffy. I know. It's like ca- Afro-esque. I need to style it a little bit a better. Jufro. I need to style it. Yesterday, it looked really good. It did. Or two days ago. But now it's very puffy. Anyway... So I want I want Dopey to get a TV show. You move to Los Angeles. Your hair gets really styled. You're wearing fucking tight jeans. I'm not going to Los Angeles. This is my vision for you, Dave. The family doesn't want. Let's me end there. with a vision for you. No, no. Listen. So Igor says, "How are you doing?" And I say, "I'm doing okay." And Igor goes, "What the fuck is wrong with you that you're just doing okay?" And I said, "Listen, Igor. For me, okay is good." I'm not the kind of person that if I'm doing bad and you ask me how I'm doing, I'm going to say I'm doing okay. You know, you didn't ask me how I was doing. How are you doing? I'm anxious. Yeah, what's going on with you? Yeah, you didn't even ask me. We're at the fucking end and you haven't even asked me. I'm so sorry, Aurora. This happened last time, too. But it was a really good episode. So why don't we, sh- why don't we delve into... I had a list. You know, your four years was on the list, but your anxiety wasn't. You had a chance to pipe in on the self-centered fear in the front of the show. Well, I was too afraid we were going to argue. All right. Well, here's your chance. Before we end, let's I spill it. I got to go now. No, spill it. That's the end of the show. Just spill it. Your boss said she's going to wake up right now. You've got a half an hour to get back. Ugh, but it's going to take me a half an hour to get back. How do you get back? I don't know. I might take the train. I took a taxi here. Take the train back. Yeah. It'll be faster. Um, I would walk you. I don't know. I was just, I, I'm okay. You know, I'm okay. I got if I, I don't have problems unless I think I have problems, right? I really but thought I'm, that. I'm, I'm anxious about work and like what my role is and if this job is going to last. You know, I'm in the future. Well, don't you think it's funny how it's like, I can tell you everything is going to be okay. And, every, and you could tell me. Everything is going to be okay. But when it's your shit or if it's my shit, it doesn't feel like that. Yeah. That's like an issue. That's like next level. I mean, I think that's when you're out of early recovery. Like when you can actually do the work. You know what I mean? Like, And what my sponsor says is like, you know, if you pray constantly, if you pray every day, if you meditate every day, that you will not feel that. Mm-hmm. You will not feel this doubt because you know everything is happening the way it's supposed to. That's what he says at least. To take I mean, us back I, you to know, I, I feel like, so, you know, yeah, some prayer can be a bomb, but I, it's hard to constantly, you know, my thoughts change a lot throughout the day. So sometimes I'm feeling that bomb. Sometimes I lose it. You know, I'm in fear. It goes back and forth. Well, what he said to me also, we were talking about something like that. And I was telling him how, like, I don't like the idea of even giving up uh, character defects that I feel like define me. Like, being anxious and scared and, like, hating myself. Like, I feel like I won't be as good a person if I'm not those things. But Mm -hmm. that's not really true. And I think the answer for you is, like, just got to keep on keeping on. Keep doing the next right thing. Only good stuff is going to happen. So, sadly, we got to end it. The next right thing is for me to go to work. Well, this ended on a really low note for me. I just want to say that. <laughs> but it was a pleasure having you on the show. We had a huge fight before we started. And now, huge. And now we're back at peace. Did you have a good time? Yeah, I did. Did you? I did. I think it was a, it was a joy, Dopey Nation. Uh, please write in. Let us know what you thought. Uh, soon, Artie Lang will be on the show, I think. Maybe. What do you think? I think so. I think you should also come to L.A. and record. Well, maybe one day I will come to L.A. and record, but not soon. So what we say is we say, stay, mean, what? What do you say? I was going to say, me not say toodles. You say, me not say toodles. That's not what we say. We say, I said that.
that last time. Okay. Well, I like that. Well, I say stay strong, Dopey Nation. I love me not say toodles, but I, I'm bound to say fucking toodles for Chris because, like, fucking crazy that Chris used to do this show every week. I had another dream that he was alive and he was going to come do the show again, and I was so excited, you know? Mm-hmm. But Chris died, you know? And, um, and that's just the reality of this thing. Which is why perhaps everybody should get on board with the, uh, whatever it's called, the alt, well, the alt recovery movement. Like I told you before we started recording, it hit me that I am now the same age as my mother when she died from this disease. And it's crazy. It's crazy that she was so young. And so hopefully by me staying sober, I get to live a life that she was never able to. And I get to, you know, I get to break the cycle. Yeah. And Chris was even much younger. Yeah. Chris was a good 12 years younger than you are Shut when up. he died. Stay strong, Dopey Nation, and fucking toodles for Chris. Stay strong, Dopey Nation. You want to say it again? Me not say toodles? Me not say toodles. <laughs> No.
Thank you. Thank you, everybody. You don't have a name for our band. Thank you very much.